Hello, slowing growth in China, hints of slowing inflation in the US. What does it mean and how should investors interpret these changing dynamics? Well, Fidelity's global chief investment officer, Andrew McCaffrey, is here now with, I hope, some of his usual helpful answers. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you very much, Richard. Now, Andrew, inflation has dominated our conversations over the past year, at least. And last week, US inflation figures fell to a two-year low. Are you surprised? No, I'm not totally uh, surprised by um, the the fall. That uh, you know, it's something that we've been expecting to uh, to develop once we saw the sort of early peaks uh, in the year. I think the the bigger challenge now, Richard, is whether you know this is a sustained decline. And really, you know, there's two um, aspects I think to consider. One is that does this accelerate, and um, as some fear that recessionary forces start to uh, develop through the course of the next um, few months, and that then actually leads to a more deflationary um, environment that we that are looking at, or as uh, you know, still a risk is that um, do we have some degree of then stickiness as we get to these uh, levels that suggest that the ability to sustain an average around two percent is still going to be very challenging. And that really, I think, is um, you know, where the sort of policy dilemma lies now, because two things. One, that forward profile is hard to discern, but there's encouragement from the disinflation uh, we've seen thus far. But a number of uh, indicators suggest that financial conditions obviously have also come off, even though we've had the tightening in interest rate policy. So still very much a, a mixed bag um, as we look forward given again all of that stimulus and the sort of stock of, of wealth savings and uh, the amount of stimulus that was put into to the system. But against that is obviously, as uh, you know, we've uh, discussed as well, that those clouds building on the horizon, which are you know seeing a lot of the forward indicators, whether it be historically through what the yield curve is telling us, but also through to some of the uh, nature of activity rolling through into um, 24 that suggests that we are going to see some level of uh, of downturn developing. So, you know, I think good to see where we are now, not overly surprising, but inflation will continue to be a big influence onto expectations going forward. So you're saying it's not gone away, but uh, if you were to make a, um, a clear call, one side or the other, um, what what do you think it is? Well, I think that at the moment the uh, there is still are that we will see um, enough resilience in the the economy that we're going to um, uh, balance out nearer to these levels, and so the the best of the um, uh, you know, decrease have occurred. The one caveat to that view really comes back to recession and debt. Do we have elements of the economic resilience start to finally? Give way, and that will really be from if I was looking at some of the consumption data and some of the flow through around, um, you know, especially in the US, that consumption data and elements of where we're seeing um, wage deals and employment um, going. And I think those factors still at the moment have tended to be uh, constructive, but you know, we still see some clouds uh, building. But if they come at a time when, as we're already seeing, that huge increase in the um, government debt position in the cost of that as well. So how much that's now feeding through into taking away income from the the government, which has really been part of how they've been able to keep up the stimulus uh, for the the economy, then you could see quite a a negative sequence of events start to, uh, to play out. I don't believe we're there yet by any means, but 
it is a scenario not to be ignored if we saw the economy starting to show signs of weakening, um, actually intensify as we go into the end of the year. So you're saying we're not there yet. You're aware of the risks. Um, do you take comfort from the fact that um, the U.S. Treasury Secretary uh, Janet Yellen yesterday she said no, there's uh, there's no no risk of a recession. Um, so she's she's definitely falling into the optimistic camp, heading for the soft landing. I think that's a very nice way to uh, to, to draw me out. Um, uh, you know, red red rag to a ball and all that. That um, um, uh, I think to see, uh, you know, as we've seen at times in the past, and I'm sure we will in the future, but for someone in Janet Yellen's position to come out and to, to say something like Nietzsche, most probably, um, you know, it's a little bit like the front cover um, uh, indicator that uh, the moment they announce that all is well is the moment you should be starting to be most concerned. OK, so an alarm bell when the Treasury Secretary says there's nothing mm. to worry about. Um, oh, well, let's, let's, let's move across the Atlantic to the UK, where inflation is proving to be much more stubborn. Now, we're speaking on Tuesday afternoon. We've got the next set of data um, for the UK due tomorrow, um, and they aren't expected to be pleasant reading for the Bank of England. So why is the UK proving much harder to manage, it seems, than the US? Uh, I think there are a number of um, structural things that have uh, developed. Um, you know, one, uh, we can't ignore that some of the uh, you know, frictions and uh, that have been put into the system by, you know, what happened with Brexit. We also have, I think, you know, as we've seen from our own analyst input, um, that was not unique to the UK, but was very notable in the UK going back to as far back as uh, coming into 2021, that there were signs that we were seeing a wage um, uh, increase acceptance by companies that was uh, you know, very much a, a function of them being able to pass through prices and have the confidence to pay the wages to keep the uh, uh, staff they needed. And that has continued. And so I think that there's an element of wage following on from inflation levels um, and you know, acting to to be a um, reinforcing um, process. So are we already in the the, the wage um, uh, um, spiral, uh, the inflationary spiral uh, that must give central bankers nightmares? So I think we've already seen elements of that. Yes, um, I think that you know we've seen obviously a conversation uh, that has somewhat dismissed it for a while until. Um, uh, you know, more recently when um, Andrew Bailey actually highlighted these concerns about the uh, the issue. But I think it has been with us for a while. And so it's not something that has just crept up on us. I think it's actually been developing. And, you know, obviously the challenges we see now are both on a government fiscal position from the wage claims you see in the public sector, but also, you know, still occurring, um, you know, within the private sector as really, you know, profitability holds good, as Companies have the ability to pay those uh, wages to um, uh, to be able to maintain their activity because it's uh, a very attractive um, uh, position for them to be able to do that. Now, again, a bit like as we discussed for the US, that uh, as we look into the forward indicates, if we see any form of uh, you know slowing and therefore some of that labour pressure starts to ease then you could see quite quickly that some of the wage pressure could um, dissipate. But that's not what has been occurring yet. Let's turn right around the world um, to China now. And um, there was GDP data this week, which suggested that the country's economy grew slower than than expected in uh, the second quarter. Is this slowdown something that concerns you or do you think it might it might turn around? 
we've um, discussed before about the the Chinese recovery is a sort of a three steps forward, two steps back process. So it's not going to be uh, a wonderful um, sort of you know highly stimulative, very strong um, uh, stimulus inspired uh, recovery. You know, there's very much a ongoing policy matrix really that is looking to stabilize where there's been real challenges. You know, property especially. Um, some other uh, sectors where we'd seen, you know, a lack of vibrancy uh, uh, to, to date, but also that um, to provide stimulus in a way that would keep up the degree of momentum, but also switch much more towards how consumer activity, consumption more broadly uh, is being developed in the domestic economy. And I think where we stand to, today is that clearly some disappointment. Um, and I think that, you know, markets, again, having had COVID released, seeing that initial stage of recovery, really, uh, you know, just as they were as much behind as we uh, sort of consider where we were last October, they got way ahead of themselves. In terms of, of the markets themselves, it's very interesting to see that in some ways, you know, they came off and we've been really sort of going sideways for uh, uh, a little while now. And that um, I think that there's been a deterioration in sentiment and the data has certainly not had anything that can um, you know provide a significant relief from that but i think that um you know as one of my uh, china colleagues uh, laid out in thinking about the cycles in china around uh, the economy valuations and policy you know the economy is still in that recovery process and i think it is very much um, you know, a developing framework that they will be still targeting and will achieve their 5% plus uh, this year. So there will be more stimulus appear. Yeah, you know, the valuation profile is basically almost the opposite of what we're seeing in some developed markets where it's, you know, very attractive valuations, discounting very little in, um, I was going to say, balance, let alone optimism. But then you have the policy cycle. And I think this is the one where, you know, there's still a lot more to be seen that is currently a challenge. I think you know, as you look at markets and these conditions, we have a process now of sort of rationalizing where we are rather than looking forward and saying, you know, what are the odds of stimulus that will um, you know, be more targeted and effective of looking at how the economy already is showing signs of activity in parts of uh, you know, the industrial sectors in terms of um, uh, technology as well, uh, can come back to that, but also in the economy more broadly. So I think the forward-looking profile actually is continuing to improve. The markets are discounting the current profile and the fact that some of their hopes for a very strong recovery have been um, you know, somewhat uh, put at risk. So if I were to summarise, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're saying that in the West, uh, that investors are probably overvaluing in, in the sense that they're, they're discounting or not, not taking into account uh, the fact that um, there, there could be some quite serious slowdowns in, in terms of the economy. Whereas in China, it's the opposite, undervalued when you, you think about the medium term prospects of the, of the country's economy. Is that right? Yes, it is. And, and look, I think that... Um our expectations for how China would recover haven't changed dramatically. But I think that you know, uh, our expectations have always been a little bit more constructive, but slower and more sustained in our expectation. And that's not what you know, the markets and uh, many investors wanted. They wanted that uh, sort of rapid follow through. And so uh, you know, I think um, to your point on the into uh, the developed world, and especially to the US, that yes, you know, now you know, I don't think uh, actually anything has changed. That the pathway to navigating 
the outcome to get the soft landing that now is pretty much discounted is very narrow. And some of those risks as we go forward, you know, actually the, the challenge I would say at this stage is the one where inflation actually does show signs of now bottoming and starts to pick up because that would really leave policymakers in a very difficult position. But also it would leave markets in a difficult one that all of a sudden inflation that we really had started to remove as being such a uh, impediment, you know, isn't coming off the table. And that would be, um, uh, I think, what, you know, would be perceived quite uh, negatively. But I think the most uh, important thing to, to continue to bear in mind is that if we do see, as we expect, some uptick in unemployment, the lagged effect of some of the interest rate um, you know, movement really is starting to uh, hit through the real economy. As people do have to uh, then embrace it through activity, through moving house, through having to refinance at higher rates, corporate and uh, you know individually, their ability to absorb that starts to gradually d- diminish. And I think that you know we're not at that point yet, but that process is still ongoing and will be felt as we go through the uh, the next few months and into 2024. And that's the part, I think, as well, that when we look at the difference in the potential in, in horizons of, uh, uh, of growth and um, you know, how that can be sustained, I think, again, that still there's a mispricing of where the US has got to in terms of its expectations and that soft landing versus um, China, where I think that has very much been taken off the, the table incorrectly. So, you know, it's it's a painful position um, as this is something, you know, we've discussed over the, the course of, uh, of Q2. But, you know, we've always said that Q3, we think, well, where we start to see some of that uh, more sustained uptick again. I haven't lost sight of that. The short term numbers don't change that position. Uh, they just obviously have uh, created uh, you know, more reason to, to not want to buy yet. So you're sticking to your guns? Uh, yes. I think that the drivers of what to concern us looking out um, for the rest of 23 and into 24 haven't really uh, changed. And, you know, we, we discussed, and I know this was um, a non-consensus view at the time, but that we would see the market striving for a soft land in the first half of the year. Um, and that the second half would be where the real challenges started to manifest themselves. Well, the reality is now that we've got through the half year, the market's discounting that it is going to be a soft landing. The last thing we want to do is move camp when we think that those challenges haven't gone away. And they're actually now the markets are pricing far too attractively the, uh, uh, the forward profile relative to what we think could be the risks. Okay, well, I think you've, you've set up um, a discussion now around um, allocations very well. So um, the, the, the core asset allocation at Fidelity has changed mm. um, after a considerable period where it's been more or less the same. So w- what has changed and why? Yeah, so uh, look, we've, we've been cautious, but we've been neutral. And I think the um, key thing to call out is that we've moved um, in several of our portfolios and where we can reflect this in an asset allocation sense, so our multi-asset portfolios, uh, that our tactical asset allocation now has actually moved into being underweight and short at an overall risk level, not just in terms of some of the relative positions. Most of that is being taken through some of our US equity exposure, so taking that down not just to be an underweight, but now to actually reflect in as an equity um, underweight, as that dominates obviously the uh, the equity. Um, allocation weightings. We still feel slightly more constructive, as I've just described, towards Asia, towards um, parts of the emerging markets, 
Uh, that's not changing. And it's just a case of do we add to those at some point? But it's really that that overall risk profile has now moved into one which reflects a more cautious and therefore risk off rather than being um, you know, neutral in terms of uh, asset exposure. Risk off for now, Andrew. Thank you very much indeed. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for this month. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do like, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The producer today was Holly Eastman with technical production from Canon Blitz and Connor Bailey. But for now, from all of us at Fidelity, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without the prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please visit your local Fidelity website.